0: Sports have the innate ability to bring people together. Nebraska football has been doing it since 1890 with almost 60 years of sellouts. But what happens when a pandemic keeps people apart? It's been a trying eight months, during which many have been separated and isolated. We yearn for a taste of normalcy football has been a key component in helping restore a balance in 1918 amid World War One and a similar global pandemic Nebraska football was there to help unite a state days after 9-11 Nebraska football was there to help unite a wounded country this offseason has been especially long while uncertainty still looms The return of Husker football is a chance for many to feel a sense of normalcy. Nebraska football has always been bigger than the results on the field. The power of red extends to its ability to bring people together. From across the nation, the state, or the stadium, the message this season is especially clear.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Michael Severe, and welcome to NET's Big Red Wrap Up. It's been 76 days since the Big Ten announced its initial conference-only schedule, and now we've reached game week. With me now, former Husker Jay Moore. I know we talked about this, it feels like months ago now. <laughs> we didn't know if we'd get to this point, but we're here and days away from the
2: opening of the season. Doesn't it feel good? It feels good. It, it does. It, and we, it feels different. You saw in the, in the intro, it, it kind of, even though 2020 has been weird and hasn't been great, it mm-hmm. um, feels like a Things are getting closer and closer back to normal, yeah. even though there's not going to be a whole lot of fans available at Big Ten stadiums. But I'm telling you what, when we we did our our, our pre shoot, and it's just Nebraska playing football against anyone, yes, whether it's an NFL team, an AI team, a Division three team, something. But mm-hmm. having Nebraska play football in 2020 makes me happy. It makes millions of fans across this nation happy, mm-hmm. um, and it's good. So it's a step in the right direction. Finally. Uh, for getting back to normal. But like I said, I mean we didn't we just did, you know, the show a month and a half ago maybe and it, yeah. we were we didn't know what was gonna happen. We didn't know what the next step I mean there's I mean, when Kevin Warren says this this will not be revisited, re- revisited you're like Yeah. But thank God for a little initiative from the parents at Nebraska, some parents at, at, Ohio, at uh, Ohio State. Yeah. Um, Iowa pushing Right, up. you know, and we're, here we are. Mm-hmm. And it's I am, I'm very, very happy to be back on the set and finally have a game week. I mentioned 76 days ago. So that was August 5th when the Big
1: Ten came out there and, and introduced the first schedule. You know, no one else had a schedule yet. They said it's going to be conference only. They were the first ones to do that. They were the first ones to be out ahead of it. And then only six days later, They canceled the season, which surprised everyone. No one saw it coming. Many people thought they would delay, like the SEC did, like other conferences did, but they didn't delay. And then all of a sudden, we're sitting in there going, what's going to happen? You mentioned it, the lawsuit from the Nebraska players, the parents protesting outside of Big Ten headquarters. All of those things happened, and then all of a sudden we see, well, maybe this is going to happen now. And before Halloween, which is a lot of people didn't think was going to happen, we get a season starting on the 24th. And, ironically, the two teams out in front –
2: of the whole thing, play each other, kick it off. Right. Coincidence? Uh, yeah, it's yeah, kind of. Or, you know, it's, it's, fun. it's funny. People are like, ah, this is, you know, Nebraska, was, this is what you could deserve for pushing right. the envelope. Well, yeah. listen, I, like I said, we play, play whoever we want. Like, mm-hmm. we got football back. Right. This is important. This is important life, it's important in my lives, important your lives, important in everyone's lives. We have it back right in front of us and ready to watch Nebraska play one of the best teams in the nation on yeah. Saturday. It's just, I mean, you look back at it and the decision, you know, doesn't revisit, but you look at it now, to. Why can't we just delay it to the end of September, like the SEC did? Like the SEC makes, that way you can buy some more time. Now we're trying to crunch. You know, I'm not. I don't. I don't want to complain <laughs> when we have football back. Right. It's like a guy gives. You know, here's a thousand dollars, and he complains about, Hey, why isn't it fifteen hundred, two thousand? Why am like, I paying taxes? Right, <laughs> right. Right. So I don't want to complain, but it's like, right. listen. Now we're trying to squeeze eight games into eight weeks. Eight weeks, right. You know, seems yeah. there's been some hiccups. Notre Dame's had a hiccup. You know, it seems have to reschedule and stuff. But listen, I'm happy where we're at right now. A lot of complaints about the schedule. But we talked about this off air. If you're going to get Ohio State, why
1: not get them when there's a chance of rust? They don't have any tape on you. Obviously, you don't have tape on them. You do know their quarterback. Nebraska's got a bunch of new guys. If Omar Manning's out there, if Alante Brown's out there, if a Marcus Fleming, whoever's out there, they are new guys that, Nebraska, that Ohio State hasn't seen. And then you get Wisconsin. With Jack Cohn having surgery, we don't know who their starting quarterback will be. We know Northwestern's always a close game. And then you get Penn State at home. They just announced their number one running back, Journey Brown, is out. So, as tough as those first four may be, at least I think Nebraska's got a pretty good shot at starting off at least two and two, and I think that'd be a win.
2: Oh, 100%. Two and two. You know, I look at the schedule overall. I, you know, you look at four and four, five and three, it'd be a heck of an accomplishment yep. after what they've all, we've already dealt with in, in 2020. You get Ohio State early. You know yes. they're coming off that disappointment losing to Clemson in the, in the in the semifinals, where they easily should have won that football mm-hmm. game. Um, but they' everyone's dealing with something. You know, you know this year has been strange. How you know because no spring ball, and then you go start camp, but then you have to back off the twelve mm-hmm. hour rule. What were they doing there? Twelve their, those weeks where right. you're limited. Were they practicing? Were they not practicing? You still know. Every school is different. And it's just dealing with this and dealing with the rust. I think that's a, that's a big big issue because you don't have. I mean, we don't have, you know, in college you don't have preseason games like you do in the NFL, but this is just, this is different. I think Russ will be a a very big factor. It's just, can Nebraska take advantage of those opportunities that Ohio State might give them? when they do that rust does show you could say that these two teams are the best prepared for this
1: because they never really stopped they always believed there'd be a season nebraska was always ready most of the guys stayed in lincoln same thing happened in columbus for the most part we may actually get a well-played game only because these two teams have been waiting for this and been more prepared than others
2: yeah 100 i think penn state might be the only team that was 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 on top of things practicing as well but um yeah i mean that's that's a, that's a good point because you you saw the guys. I mean, I remember talking to um, you know a friend of the show going in to get pizza at Matt Versal's place. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, being the O line coach, scout guy, and you knowing uh, Trent Hickson. He's like, Trent came in. He's like, listen, if we have to walk through one more time, these <laughs> yeah. meetings one more time, and lose my mind. I just right. want to practice. But they've been on top of things. They they have. They, they and that's that's important this time. You have to keep kids focused. And when you're dealing with a pandemic, you don't want kids. Off, you know, not worrying about things, you know, just operating like it's there's there's you know everything's back to normal. It's not quite back to normal yet. So you want to keep them on a good structured routine, and that's what Nebraska's been doing, and keeping kids have been healthy, and, and so so on and so forth. So um, yeah, I think Ohio State, Nebraska, they've they're I think that for the most part the, the t's are crossed, the eyes are dotted yeah. uh, heading into Saturday. Hopefully we get a really good competitive game.
1: We've got lots to get to tonight. Before that, we want to make sure that we hear from you. We're without all of the normal stuff they would have due to the coronavirus, but that doesn't mean you can't contact us. Reach us via text or email at bigred at netnebraska.org to chat with us or send your question or comment. We'll read them when you come in. We're also monitoring our social media feeds. We look forward to seeing you, your thoughts on Facebook or Twitter. Get in touch with us tonight and join the conversation. Our sideline survey is back, and we're ready for you to vote tonight as well. 127 teams will be bowl-eligible with only 39 games available, do you think Nebraska will play in a bowl? Yes, the Huskers are always attractive to bowl officials. No, the program struggles the last few years have affected the perception of the Huskers. Or they should only accept a bowl invite if Nebraska has a winning record. Head over to our website right now to vote and head back each week for a brand new survey. We are now joined by oh we have more con- conversation I'm sorry we have more conversation my fault we're gonna have David Benny coming yeah. up in a couple of minutes to talk more about what's happening this season we referenced the schedule mm-hmm. and how it looks top heavy for Nebraska what would be a reasonable record in your
2: opinion I think you know four and four is fair yeah four I think five and three is about as good as I would that's about as good as it gets you I mean I, I look at you look at the this, this Ohio State's a tough one. Penn State, Wisconsin, yeah. those are your three. But then you look at okay, you know, you can you can get Northwestern, you can get Illinois, um, you get Minnesota, you can beat Minnesota, you can beat Iowa, sure. um, like you beat Wisconsin, you, right? Yeah, you could. I mean, they've been, they've been close. You know, last mm-hmm. year um, there's Jonathan too, a little, too much Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, he's not there anymore, right. thankfully. Um, I would take four and four, five and three. I think that is the best. I mean, this is this is coming off of two losing seasons mm-hmm. in in just dealing with so much unexpected scenarios of 2020, um, a 5-3 and three season would be yeah. about as good as I can think and get.
1: We're in a unique situation because, as Scott Frost said in his press conference, got two number one quarterbacks. He mentioned that when Luke McCaffrey's out there in practice, they're moving the ball very well, right? He says that. What's the feeling like when you're on a team when there is a quarterback battle, which I know you've
2: been a part of? Yeah, you look at, you know, Zach Taylor comes in with Joe, when Joe Daly was a starter last year. But, again, Joe was more of a, you know, Square peg, round hole type yeah. of situation, and, and Zach was brought in. And, you know, could handle throwing in the West Coast type offense. Um, you, as a player, you, you you can see things now. You know, you know players know good football. And I remember Zach coming in that first spring and that winter, and they'd have seven on seven sessions. You can see him spin it, and I'm, we're just like, Whoa. "This is different. This is different. Mm-hmm. This is different." Now, now we don't know how. I mean, this is before spring. We don't know how it shakes out. We know Joe had a year in the system. We know Joe struggled in that system, yeah. and I think any. First year quarterback in that system would struggle when your playbook's like about that thick. Mm-hmm. Um, but Zach came in and he just, he owned that position. He just, he it just, he seemed to fit. Now you got two quarterbacks where you got one that's played in it for two years, was very successful his freshman year, struggled as, you know, a little sophomore slump. And you have an up and comer, um, showed some promises last year in a limited role. Now he has his full, you know, understands the offense, the full gamut of it. And now he stepped in there and looked pretty good. But mm-hmm. You know, you always kind of got to lean with the guy that has more experience. And you know, Luke, Luke came in in a very limited role where he probably understood maybe five to six plays designed for him. Yeah, he has yet to play a full game where it's like, hey, you have seventy-six plays ready for you, or whatever whatever that play sheet looks like. Um, but it's it's good to know that there are a one and one. I th- I think competition is best. I think that's mm-hmm. why you saw Adrian struggle a little bit. He really didn't really have that competition. Yeah, he came in and. Um, you know, his freshman year, I'm thinking of, uh, Tristan, he had a battle with Tristan Gebbia, you know, and he need, expectations weren't very high for him as his, first freshman year, as a true freshman, but he comes in, proves himself. Last year doesn't have the, has the competition, doesn't really have a, uh, doesn't really need to prove himself. It was his job. Now, he's looking over his back shoulder and it's like, hey, if I don't perform well, I, 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 could be on the bench in, in a, in a heartbeat. We talk about all things that Luke McCaffrey does well. One of the things you hear is he's well liked. He's in a group of
1: guys who claim, came with him that's pretty large, like 23, 24 guys. How much does the fact that he is well-liked by his teammates matter when he goes out there to play quarterback?
2: Yeah, it's, it's huge. You want, I mean, I think everyone likes Adrian, but that's good. Sure. I think the thing that you hear about Luke is he's just that, that football junkie. Mm-hmm. You know, he likes to sit in that film room and just, and obviously his, he comes from all of his brothers and his dad um, has it in his blood, but... When you have a kid that can sit in there and just watch, I mean, when football, they didn't have football. Heck, he was coaching at Lincoln Southwest here in town. I mean, yep. he wants to be a part of the game. And that's that's what you've got to have at a quarterback. You have those junkies. That's what makes great quarterbacks. They can love watching film. They want it to be around it. They want to be a part of it uh, when they're not, at the stadium, they're thinking about it at home. They're they're breaking down film on their on their iPads or their laptops. Um, that is a that's a very good thing, not only for um, our quarterback, we're having a, a backup quarterback pushing your starter in mm-hmm. Adrian. You know we talk a lot about the offensive line, how experienced it is,
1: and his experience is an offensive line since back in 2010, twenty ten, twenty eleven. On the other hand, that blocking on the edge is incredibly important for Nebraska's offense. They've got some bigger wide receivers. How much of that do you think will make a difference in the run game?
2: Yeah, they got to step up. I mean, I, I look at, honestly, it's, it's the tight end position. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's been a, a, a position that's been very underutilized in the last couple of years in this offense. Um, Jack Stoll, um, Kurt Raftall, Austin Allen, and then you got Travis Bokolek from, from Rutgers mm-hmm. who had a redshirt last year. Those guys, someone needs to step up. I think, you know. Not just catching the ball. But not catching blocking, blocking the edge. Right. That's, yep. You can't, you can't do one, I mean, you gotta be able to do both. I think, I think Stoll struggled a little bit. The production went down because he struggled blocking the edge because you just can't just put him in here. Well, guess what? Nebraska's throwing the football. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can't be a liability out there. You gotta be able to, um, do both things. So I'd like to see those, that position step up. And then, you know, obviously everyone knows what Wandell can do. And that's just, I mean, uh, Cade Warner. Yes. Hell of a, hell of a blocker on the edge can, uh, can, sure-handed, you know, Omar Manning, what's his situation? Um, We're hearing about the transfer from yeah. South Dakota, Levi, yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
2: who was another guy, he's a big-body guy who they, they think can help block. Yeah, players. and then I'm, um, and then, uh, gosh, um, help me out here. I'm thinking that the, 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 the tra- uh, Burt kid that's moved out to White he just came in as a tight end. Um, you know, he's... Oh, um, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's a big-body kid. and he, yeah, he came he, in when Nick Heinrich. Yes, yeah, yeah, Chris Hickman. they so, like, they go together for Yeah, that. I know. I, I keep Put on, those two I, guys together. Right, right. Yeah. I keep wanting to say Heinrich, but that's the linebacker. Yeah. Um, but He's another guy, you know, a big body kid, but you have to be able to do both. And blocking edge, and they've said it, if you can't block, you can't play. Right. You know, you got to be able to do it. Block to get the rock. Right, correct, correct. So they 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 got their work cut out for them.
1: Yeah, we're joined next by a guy who got the rock a lot. Another perspective on all of this, we bring in the Orange Bowl MVP and my partner in the morning, Damon Benning. Hey, Damon, how you doing?
3: I'm good. How are you guys?
1: We're really good. I want to get in what we were just talking about, blocking on the edge. How much do you think this will be different this year with some of the guys you've seen at wide receiver who expected to play and those tight ends?
3: Well, I think it'll be monumental. You know, you, you can't run any of that zone game whether it's outside, in, inside, sweep, keep. You know, the spread game just doesn't work unless you can handle folks on the perimeter. And I think for Nebraska, that was one of the places that they had to get better immediately and really commit to wanting to be physical on the edges. And I really think they've made some strides this year. And I'm actually looking forward to see some of the differences out there on the perimeter. Because uh, like, you, like you alluded to, if you, you don't block, you can't get the rock. And I think Nebraska really needs to adhere to that.
2: DB, let's look at that running back position, a position you know very well. It's a Dedrick Mills show. It's, it's, his, it's his job. And look at coming into the season. like Who's going who's gonna to step up and, and back him up? Uh, Ramir Johnson got some limited roles last year. Saw him kind of break off some runs against Maryland. But now uh, Ryan Held comes out today and said Ronald Tompkins now is a, for sure number two. And his comeback from injury, and just being in that room in that battle, just uh, the battle between with uh, Dejeric Mills and Ronald Tompkins, that kind of one-two punch heading into Ohio State.
3: Yeah, I really like that. I it's it's not only a heck of a story, but he's a heck of a player. Mm-hmm. If you go back and watch his film from a couple of years ago when he was healthy, um, he's bigger, he's physical, he's probably the most gifted of the natural uh, from a natural standpoint of those runners. And if he shows confidence. Uh, on being able to cut and move off, you know, two previous knee injuries. You can just tell when he carries the ball in, in, in practice that he's different. I really like Ramir Johnson as well. Kind of a change of pace. He's a little smaller guy, even though he's really committed himself to the weight room. Maybe he's a guy that you'll see back returning kickoffs at some point because uh, he is a threat for a home run call. He, he's got tremendous top end speed. But wh- however they divvy up that two, three, Spot for the running backs, Uh, and you're going to start with Tompkins, obviously, at the two spot, it's going to be a luxury to have because, listen, Dedrick Mills is going to be your bell cow. He's got to get his 20 to 23 carries a game. Nebraska, as a team, has got to somehow get to 40, in my opinion. You figure eight or nine of those are going to be quarterback runs. And so, however the rest happen, uh, you divvy it up as you may. But I do think they are are more talented at at the backup spot than they were a year ago. Damon Benning joining us here on the wrap-up. When you started your career at Nebraska, there was a quarterback
1: battle. Mike Grant, Tommy Frazier eventually. And then when you were leaving in 96, there was again. How do you think that affects the team? And kind of talk us through what the guys in the locker room are going through when you have this kind of quarterback battle.
3: Well, the one thing that you know for sure as a player is you can't fool the team. So the guys, the players, the guys in that locker room know uh, who can play and who can't and who they prefer to play with. Now, there may be varying degrees within the locker room, but the players typically know. The key is and I've said this before, the guy that isn't playing or doesn't win the job, it's all about his attitude. If if he's good and he's positive and he's for the guys, then it's kind of infectious, right? If if he's a little bit of a curmudgeon or he's, you know, kind of wants to sulk a little bit, then that can be a problem. As long as the guy that isn't playing or doesn't win the job is a team guy, it should be very minimal problems. It can be kind of a process, right? You can see guys that are good in spurts or situationally. Some guys thrive with a lead. Some guys thrive with certain sections of the playbook. It's important and almost imperative for this staff to understand who has the best command overall, and then how to use the next guy situationally. The best thing that Luke McCaffrey can do is what he's been doing, continue to make it uncomfortable for the coaches to know that he's on the sidelines because he comes across as just too good of an athlete to be a spectator for 60 minutes.
1: You've made your bones as a coach on the defensive side of the ball in high school. The one question that we've had for almost, what, eight years is, who's going to rush the passer? Talk about those outside linebackers. What do you expect from Nebraska getting to the passer this year?
3: Yeah, I tell you, you know, whether they do it schematically or one-on-one, it's all about creating matchups and, and where those matchups happen. If you can get single blocks and understand, you know, who has a natural knack to, to rush the passer. One thing that I that I do have a, a pretty good feel for is if you're going to move a guy like Nick Henrich to the outside, you obviously like some things that he can do for you as a natural pass rusher. He was very adept at it in high school. He's a downhill guy that uses his hands well. Fedarius Payne is another guy they looked at situationally as a guy that could rush the passer. Caleb Tanner is another guy that is is a natural pass rusher. So I would look at that outside linebacker position and getting after the passer a lot like using your bullpen. There'll be some guys that will be good against lefties. There'll be some guys that are good against righties. There will be a guy maybe that it won't matter you like him because you feel like he can get outs on multiple sides of the plate. It may be a by committee deal, but if Nebraska is going to have any sort of success, there's two things they've got to do defensively. Number one, you have to limit the yards on the ground. But number two is what you talked about. You've got to find a way to be disruptive in the backfield as a pass rusher if you want to have success in this league.
1: Now, you talked a lot about, what Deontay Williams could mean to this team on the field, but what does he mean to him in practice in terms of bringing the physicality that they're going to need to play in the Big Ten in this all-conference schedule?
3: Yeah, there's no question. He's the guy that I call the tone setter. He is the he is the thermometer. He'll set the pulse of what's going on with the rest of that defense. He's a guy that likes to yap a ton, but he backs it up with his style of play. He's a no plays off kind of guy. He's very physical. Uh, he lets you know where he is at all times, whether he's touching you physically or he's talking or chirping in your ear. So he's a guy that that is definitely going to set you at 98.5, right? He's going to mm-hmm. make sure that that body temp is where it needs to be for that defense to function at a high level. And he's contagious and infectious with his behavior and his demeanor. He's very selfless. Um, it hurt him to the core to have to sit and watch last year as a spectator. And I think he's very appreciative to have the opportunity to be out here and enjoy the game that he loves playing. And I think you'll see that trickle-down effect for the rest of the young pups in that secondary.
1: Give us a taste of your thoughts what's going to happen on Saturday against Ohio State.
3: Well, I think Nebraska will come out with a tremendous amount of energy, right? There's always that little bit of uncertainty, and, and it will be quick to calm their nerves. I do kind of get the sense that they've been at this a long time. Remember, Nebraska, of all the teams I think in the Big Ten and maybe even the country, were ahead of the game in terms of how to manage what was going on with COVID. Remember, they were serving meals individually. They had guys going through lines. They were doing temp checks back in March. So this is kind of old hat to them in terms of dealing with protocol and really wanting to play. They were trying to get as many workouts in as they could, whether it be four at a time or two at a time or six at a time. So I think they'll be chomping at the bit to play. The key for them is is to understand that it, success comes incrementally it's not going to happen all at once and you have to stay the course because good things are going to happen early bad things are going to happen early staying the course is going to be key for this team so understanding where you are in the moment and you're playing against perfection internally and not necessarily ohio state as an opponent i think is going to be a key reminder for them on saturday
1: db we appreciate it good luck to your dodgers
3: uh, appreciate that. I'm ready to go watch.
1: All right. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Coming up next on the wrap-up, we'll be joined by sports broadcaster extreme Kevin Kugel to break down the season. We'll continue to be affected, of course, by the pandemic. Before we go to break, images from Hale Varsity. Be right back.
3: Right now we have a pretty tight-knit group and I think they're, they're focused on becoming the best team that they can so they can compete in these Big Ten games. It's been kind
4: of an ever-changing situation ever since this thing started and Coach Frost and, and the other people involved have done a great job in getting a plan for us, getting a process for us. How can we keep them engaged in, in what was going on? And I think our coaches did a tremendous do- job with that. Our guys have taken advantage of the time. They threw a lot on the rolling when they could. So I feel we're in a good place. You know, I know we missed spring ball like a lot of other college football teams did. But the, the pandemic, I mean, our, our guys
2: handled it great. Uh, it's been awesome finally getting back in the full path. So oh, We're just excited we finally get to hit some guys.
4: Well, now that we have the chance, I believe everybody's ready to let loose and, you know, just go out there and ball.
5: You know, we've been coming in
4: putting in as much work as, you know, we have been able to. You know, everyone, every chance we have has been competing extremely well. It's been so competitive these last few weeks that we're getting to start fighting ourselves. So it's, it's, it's a good thing that we have an opponent coming up so we can go out there and take our anger out on them. Comes out and plays the best. Whoever comes out and fights, that's how I look at it. I don't really, we don't really care too much about the favorites or anything like that. We just got to come out and play football and play our game. Unbelievable opportunity here to not only play football but now play against the highest quality teams in our conference um, off the
3: rip. So we're, we're excited for the challenge. You know, the last couple of months have been challenged mostly because we were one of the ones really fighting to make sure that we could play. Playing football this year was the right thing to do and I'm glad we're there. And I, I hope our kids take advantage of this opportunity.
1: Welcome back to the wrap-up.
3: We're pleased
1: to welcome to the show via Zoom Kevin Kugler, broadcaster extraordinaire. How you doing, Kevin?
6: Hi, Michael Severe. Hi, Jay Moore. How are you guys?
1: <laughs> we're doing. We're doing great. Outstanding. You have a, a unique perspective on all this because most of us have been locked in our houses, haven't gone anywhere. You've been on planes. You've been in the stadiums. What has it been like with the COVID protocols and handling that kind of stuff?
6: Well, first off, I couldn't even get into the Net Studios tonight, so let's not <laughs> act like you guys have been locked in your homes. You're in a studio. I'm sitting in my basement where for most of this pandemic i've i've lived and breathed and wandered around aimlessly for months at a time but yeah now i'm now i'm back to work a little bit it's it's different you know and and we've been in stadiums this year where we've had uh some fans where we've had no fans um we'll have 3000 this week for our game in new orleans they just announced that today so saints fans will start trickling back in to new orleans but it's been different i mean it, it's when you're, but I can tell you this for, for Nebraska fans who are watching this and who are getting ready to watch football on Saturday, it's going to be different, but it's going to feel good because it's going to be your team playing and you're going to forget about the weirdness of it. If you've been somebody who isn't watching football right now until your team comes back, and I know a couple people who are doing that. Um, and so I'm basically speaking to you. It's gonna feel pretty much normal once you start watching the game. It's gonna be weird beforehand. It's gonna be weird seeing the crowd or lack thereof. They're not gonna show that much, but you'll get the chance to watch football, and you're gonna be very happy about that.
2: Kevin, you watch. You know, we about bringing. are talking about bringing no energy, no no crowd, no you know the the enthusiasm of of ninety six thousand people. How is it like for you calling a game though when? You, you don't have that energy. You don't have the crowd noise reacting. How how does it affect your energy, and how do you have to kind of keep you know keep your energy up when you, you're you're calling a major NFL game in front of you know zero to a thousand fans?
6: Yeah, and you're right, Jay. That's that is something that is a challenge at times. Um, but the the great thing is the action on the field has still been very very good. And in my headset, I still hear sound. I, I still hear crowd because we have the fake crowd noise. That goes in on these games. And so for me, it's not that bad because I'm watching the game. Something exciting happens. I hear a crowd roar. If I don't look into the stands, because, you know, look, I'm watching the action on the field. I'm not going, oh, what's down there in in section 23? So I I don't, it doesn't really enter my mind too often that I'm calling it in an empty stadium. It just enters my mind that I'm calling a football game. Something very exciting has just happened. I'm going to be excited about it because i Tend to get excited about that kind of stuff, and um, and then we kind of move on from there. But it's it's a it's still an energetic thing for me. I, I don't have any trouble ramping up energy for this stuff.
1: NFL play by play guy Kevin Cooker joining us here on the wrap up. When you think about the college game in the Big Ten with zero fans, no ban, yeah. none of that stuff, do you feel that the Big Ten needs to change this? Because you've seen it at different levels, different amounts of fans. It seems like it's worked around the country at different levels. Don't you think it probably could work in the Big Ten?
6: Yeah, I think if we had, if there was a super spreader event happening in college football or NFL football across the country, I am confident mm-hmm. that there would have been a lot of things written and said about it. So I feel like we have gotten to the point with a large body of work now to know that it is safe to be able to socially distance 15,000 people in an 80,000-seat stadium. We see it across the NFL. There were nine NFL venues that had fans of the 14 games played last weekend. Mm -hmm. There are college stadiums being played with anywhere from 5,000 to 25,000, or if you're watching a Texas A&M game, they're going to tell you it's 25,000 <laughs> and it's probably more like 100,000. Uh, but it is. it seems to me that you can creatively figure out ways to bring a few folks into the stadium and allow them to experience it. And, and look, the band should be in there. These are students as well. This is their participation. This is their moment. I, I've always believed that there is no reason why – the band cannot be socially distanced in the stadium. It adds so much to the college atmosphere. It's the one thing that you notice at an NFL game, there's the, there's never a band. Mm-hmm. But when you're at a college game, that band is always something you hear. It's part of the atmosphere. And I really notice it when I'm watching college football this year and a place has the band in the stands. I always notice that band music. And I, and I think at the very least, there should be a way to figure out how to get – some amount of students and some amount of band into these stadiums so that you can at least provide a little bit of atmosphere. I understand you don't want to maybe, and I don't think you should pack the place with 80,000 people. That would probably create a super spreader event. (laughs) But I do think if you are creative with this, as we've seen across the country, it can be done with very little risk to the community at large.
1: I never thought I'd quote Hamilton, but my kids loved it. I watched it. You want to be on the right side of history. In the end, when we look back, Nebraska, Ohio State, Iowa, going to be on the right side of history?
6: I think so, Um, because I think, again, we have this body of work that shows there is a safe path forward to participate in athletics. And I understand that there are going to be people who, no matter what, are going to say, during this, we should not have done any of this. Look at the case numbers we have right now. And I understand that perspective. I really do. But I also believe in the notion that there is – value to life. There is value to just not avoiding the illness all the time. And I think if you can do it safely and you can do it in a way that is not going to endanger the community at large. And I think that's something you're being able to, you're able to see here throughout college football, throughout the NFL to this point, if you can do that, Mm -hmm. then I think you've got a very good reason to play this. And and look, Nebraska is being tested six times a week. The only time these players are not being tested for this is the day after games. So there is nobody that is being more protected, more bubbled, not in a bubble, than players of football at the NFL and college level at major colleges across this country. That's as safe as you can be during this thing. And protecting the populace is the general goal here. But as well as that, you need to be able to see, can we do something that will give us something to be excited about and that's what we were doing this weekend with the start of the Big Ten
1: when we first heard about the protocols from the Big Ten a lot of people thought maybe they were too stringent based off of what it would take to get to red red we heard uh, Scott Frost yesterday he thinks that they have a pretty good chance what's your feel in terms about getting these games in every week you've seen them canceled in the pros we've seen them canceled in college what do you think the Big Ten chances are of getting in these nine games in nine weeks
6: I do like their protocols. Now, it's a really tight window, and, and we know there are things that no matter how good the protocols are, because I really do think the NFL has pretty solid and stringent protocols as well. And we've seen, it, I mean, it's it's an infectious virus. Yes. It's going to get in. You're going to pick it up somewhere. And we saw it in Tennessee. It's it spread. Now, we've seen it in other places not spread, which is, I think, encouraging. And I think the Big Ten's protocols are good in that they're going to be checking on the daily basis to make sure – that this is not going to spread. So you may not show symptoms or have infection active on Monday, but when they test you again on Tuesday and you do, that's an opportunity for them to isolate you Mm -hmm. and keep the rest of the team safe. So, and, and look, I'm sure there are players on Nebraska who have had this already, Iowa, Ohio state. I mean, people across the country have all been touched by this in one way or another. And I don't believe college campuses or college football teams are immune to this so some of these guys have already had this they've already gone through it and they're on the other side of it but i do think the protocols in place are as stringent as you can get without just putting these teams in actual nba slash nhl type bubbles where you isolate them from everybody and do not allow them at all an opportunity to leave that bubble you're not going to be able to do that with college football teams so the next best thing is You have to test them regularly to make sure they don't have it. And that's what the Big Ten has decided to do. And so far, you knock on wood and you hope that it's going to be able to get nine games in nine weeks for these teams because it is a very, very tight window and there's a little bit of pressure to get those games in.
1: We use the phrase new normal. The new normal in football is even more offense than we've had before. This weekend, the NFL was a little bit down, but it's been as much scoring ever before. Same in college. What do you expect from the first week of Ohio State, Nebraska, and the Big Ten overall in terms of that?
6: Part of it to me is how are you going to officiate these games? Because I do think that's been a part of what's going on in the NFL. Mm -hmm. It's been a looser officiated sport this year. You don't see, uh, specifically on the offensive side, you don't see as many opportunities for offenses to back up because there's more penalties, for example, pass interferences are called almost at a three-to-one ratio now towards the defense versus the offense. You're just not getting a lot of those penalties against the de- against the offense that backs them up, which allows them to progress down the field a little bit more. So if you call the game at the college level like they've called it so far at the NFL level, I think scoring goes up. I think it probably will a little bit early anyway. I think you've got a chance to see a lot of defenses trying to find their way, Nebraska being one of those who's going to make plays, who's going to step up. I think the offenses have a chance to be a little bit ahead early in this one. And I, I would not be at all surprised Saturday on that big noon kickoff on Fox between Ohio State and Nebraska to see a lot of points on the board. And if you're a Nebraska fan, you're hoping that a lot of those points end up on your side, but I'm guessing there'll be a lot of points for sure in that game.
1: Of course, in the NFL, your partner's Chris Spielman, Ohio State grad. You're a Nebraska grad. Is there a bet of any sort?
6: There's no wager yet, although it did come up on the air last week. Um, and he, uh, you know, Chris is a, Hall, Hall of Fame nominee this year for Canton, yeah. and I attended a school. And so, you know, they're right there, and we're, we're almost dead rivals. I mean, you know, he, he played football, and I yeah. walked by the stadium almost on a daily basis to go to my parking lot and get in the car. So we were very, very similar in our athletic prowess during our college days. I, I don't know that there'll be a bet, but I, I'm sure we'll both watch with interest. I hope that I'm watching with interest uh, well into the second half yeah. and uh, can maybe – have a little bragging rights over him on Sunday.
1: What do you think this means for the state just to have Nebraska football back?
6: It's huge. And, I, and look, I I wish that we were in a position where fans could go because I think it means so much to the state of Nebraska to have the fans in the stadium. And, and look, for the city of Lincoln, for the state's economy, I, I think it's so important for Nebraska football. And I don't think you can diminish that and that impact. And I do think that factors in to all the conversations that you need to have surrounding this is the economic impact of some of this stuff. But I do think for the state, it's such an, a I part of our identity as Nebraskans to have college football and to have the Huskers back on the field. I, I was really impressed with how Scott Frost has handled this this entire time, how his staff has handled this this entire time, his administration. I really think they've done just a phenomenal job with this i know there have been a lot of guys putting in a lot of hours and a lot of effort to try to make this thing work from the players to coaches to beyond and you know we're gonna we're all gonna cross our fingers it's it's sort of the mode that we're in on our nfl crew we have a mantra on our crew every week for our games it's get to sunday and that's the whole goal we want to get to sunday get to the game and play football well for Big Ten schools, it's going to be get to Saturday or in some cases Friday, get Mm. to Friday or Saturday, get to the game. All the stuff that surrounds it, it it doesn't matter quite as much as it does just to get to the game and play the game. And so we're all going to kind of hold our breath every week Mm. that we don't see these reports of positive COVID test here, positive COVID test there, so that we can get the games in and we can all enjoy college football in the Big Ten again.
1: I buried the lead, of course. Saints coming off the bye. You like them against the Panthers?
6: Uh, I, I do. I, I like him. Although I, I the Teddy Bridgewater coming back to New Orleans story, story is going to be a prominent story all week long, and there yeah. are few people. We had the Panthers earlier in the year. There are few people I like in this league more than Teddy Bridgewater. He's such a what a good dude. I mean, he's just yeah. a he's an eminently. You spend ten minutes talking to him and you, and you walk away thinking. I could be friends with that guy. And you know me, Michael. I'm not friends with anybody. I just it's hard to be friendly with anybody. And yeah. and now, you know, he's he's fantastic. I, I'm I'm excited about it. we get a really good game this week on our Fox show.
1: Last thing for real now. How important now, is it for Nebraska to keep this game close for the snark to be as low as possible?
6: There'll be snark. I yeah. mean there look, there's gonna be snark anyway, possible. And if they get blasted. If I'm a Nebraska fan, I don't wander onto Twitter on Saturday because you're just going to get crushed because everybody be, oh, that's what you wanted. That's what you wanted. You came back to play. You get what you wanted. I mean, you know what's going to happen. It's going to be the same thing that everybody expected when this whole thing came back. You're not going to get it from Ohio State fans. I, I Like you said, I work with one every week. I, I know how they feel about Nebraskans. There is a very – there's a strong camaraderie right now between these two schools. I'm sure that'll end at about 11.05 on Saturday morning, but there is a strong camaraderie right now, so you won't get a lot of snark from Ohio State fans. But I do think if you can keep it close, Mm -hmm. be respectable, it's probably going to bode well for you, not only in that game and the aftermath on Saturday, but for the rest of the season.
1: Kevin, thanks. Have a great call on Sunday.
6: Thank you, gentlemen.
1: Thank you very much. Up next on the show, Sean Callahan will join us. We'll take a look at the latest in recruiting news and chat with 2021 commit. But first, some great images courtesy of Hale Varsity. Stay with us. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us tonight on the wrap up. I'm Michael Severe, joined now by Sean Callahan. It is time to talk
5: some recruiting. Sean, how are you doing? And is this 2001 class done? Are we set? It's getting there, Michael. A 2021 class with 19 commits. Um, you know that they're they're looking at taking a full boat this year, and really just a couple of key needs left. Uh, defensive lines, obviously the big priority. They'd like to get at least two. Uh, a pass rusher in there, maybe a defensive back, and then just best available players out there. That was kind of how Scott Frost phrased it, but they've done a really good job kind of getting their running backs, getting their receivers, getting their alignment, getting their quarterback, and getting their tight ends. As we know, this is a very loaded class, maybe the best tight end class right now in the country. Speaking of the
1: tight end class, we are joined now by Husker Commit, Thomas Fedoni, joining us here on the wrap-up. Thomas, how are you doing? How are things doing health-wise?
7: I'm doing great, and um, things are good health-wise. Sure, thanks for asking.
1: Let's talk about your commitment and why you decided. I know you follow Nebraska. You're not too far away, but why ultimately do you decide on the Huskers?
7: Um, there's a few reasons. Um, I have the best relationships with the coaches, and um, I've been there um, more than really any other school. Um, and then with having, like with me being there more than any other school that I've been to, um, the relationships I have with those coaches are better than any other school. Um, and then also one big reason I committed was we were, at the time, we were taking two tight end commits um, in the class, and that was something I was really looking at and, you know, I liked seeing. And then um, just kind of the, the relationship with Coach Beckton and what he's done and what I, what I think he can do for me um be me the next level.
5: Thomas, when you look at the tight end position for Nebraska, it's all juniors and seniors for the most part. What type of opportunity do you have or – you could potentially be a, a four-year starter, have an opportunity to to be a guy that really contributes his entire career at Nebraska.
7: Um, Yeah, you know, it's definitely, that's definitely the goal. Um, you know, I know the guys ahead of me. They're juniors and seniors, but they're also great players, and they've, they've been there, you know, obviously longer than I have, and they know the system and everything. So, you know, um, I'm going in there. I'm just going to keep my head down. Um, I'm going to grind it out, um, you know, put on, put on some weight a little bit, um, Learn, learn the system, learn the plays, and you know. Hopefully, like you said, you know, just just work my way into, into you know having an early impact, which I definitely think you know is possible.
1: Assistant commit Thomas Fedoni joining us here on the wrap up from Lewis Central. It's great that people know who you are, but because they know who you are, you're getting double, sometimes triple coverage. What's it been like this season having to deal with people knowing they got to stop you?
7: Um, it's definitely been frustrating at times, but you know. It's it's sign of respect, and it also makes it a little more fun uh, for me. You know, bigger the more people cover me, the bigger plays I have. So you know, and it, it also you know, if if anyone who knows football realizes, you know, um, you know, if, if someone's getting triple covered, and someone has to be open. So you know, it kind of opens up some of the other guys. Um, so that's nice as well. And then, kind of like I said, you know, if I make when when the ball's thrown my way, I'm going to make a play out of it with two, three, four guys on me. It doesn't matter. Thomas,
5: uh, give us an idea of where you guys are at now in the 3A playoffs in Iowa. I know last week you had a tough game against Harlan, who's a big rival. Um, They're also in 3A with you. How do things kind of set up for you guys in the playoffs here to to try to make a run to the dome there in
7: Iowa? Yeah, so um, in Iowa, it's weird here. Everyone makes the playoffs now, so instead of getting, having two games like we usually do to get to the Dome, it's four. Mm. I'm pretty sure it's four. Um, so, actually, last week, so two weeks ago, we played Harlan, and then last week we um, played uh, Creston for the first round of playoffs, and we won. Um, and then now we're in the second round of playoffs, and we have
1: Hey, Thomas, in terms of what you need to do and what they're telling you from Nebraska to get better, to work on, maybe get your weight up, what are some of the things they want you to improve on?
7: Um, you know, Coach Beckton, he, uh, he kind of just, he sends me videos. I don't think he, I mean, obviously I have many things to improve on, but he hasn't really said um, anything um, so far what he wants me to improve on. Um, he basically, you know, just says he can't wait to get me in the lab. And, you know, obviously they, they've said how um, kind of one of their big recruiting things for me was I want to have an early impact um, no matter what kind of, as, a boy, as long as, you know, I keep working and, you know, prove myself there um, at the school.
5: Thomas, you talked to the Husker coaches, obviously, on a weekly basis. Um, what are they telling you about what to expect this season as far as Saturday's game at Ohio State? And how intrigued are you to kind of see what this team is going to look like here going on the field for year three of Scott Frost?
7: Yeah, I'm excited. Um, uh, I, I know it probably <clears throat> isn't going to be, you know, the fans like, like they normally is um, with the COVID and everything, which is definitely, you know, kind of, upsetting because one of the biggest parts about football games is the atmosphere as a player anyways. And then um, and going into the game and watching the game, you know, I'm excited. I hope we, hope we win, obviously. And I'm just excited to see, you know, how we look and all the positions on, uh, on the team.
1: Hey, Thomas, we appreciate it. Good luck in the playoffs and stay healthy.
7: Thank you. I appreciate it for having me on.
1: Our local recruit we're looking at today is Avante Dickerson, Minnesota commit Uh, Sean, there's one. He's probably the most dynamic, in my opinion, player in the Metro. Your thoughts on Avante Dickerson and and where he is in terms of his commitment to Minnesota?
5: Yeah, he's really come back with a strong senior season. As a junior, he battled some nagging injuries where he probably didn't have his best season. But, you know, I've had a chance to watch him in person and was really impressed with him against Miller North and kind of what he did as a receiver. Um, And, you know, I think he's shown he can be a receiver. Um, and, and you'll see this play here against Miller North right off yeah. the bat just boom and set the tone for this game. And they jumped up 21 nothing in the first quarter. Um, but, yeah, his speed and his athletic ability really jump out, as we know, as a freshman in high school. He ran a legitimate 4 3 and I want to say Michael pushed a 38-inch vertical. And mm. that was coming off a year where he held Xavier Betts to his worst game of his career at that time. And he ran back two kicks against Bellevue West in that same very game where they knocked off the T-Birds um, in that game, and that's when you really knew this kid had something. Uh, but he committed to Minnesota. Um, you know, I asked him point blank at this Miller North game because there were a lot of rumors at that time. You know, are you looking at Nebraska? Your teammate Kobe Brett's um, at this point is a Husker, um, and you know, he said, "No, I'm still solid with my commitment at this point." To PJ Fleck and to Minnesota. Um, it's obviously something to keep your eyes on here down the stretch because none of these kids, Michael, that sign in December are going to be able to take official visits or even unofficial visits to meet coaches, go to games. And, you know, as it looks, I'm guessing we won't see visitors in January either. I just can't imagine the NCAA allowing, you know, January visits happening at this point. So we'll probably have a whole signing group of kids that did not get to take officials and it's going to make for some very interesting Kind of late pushes with teams and late Zoom meetings and virtual visits with these kids to try to flip some of these guys late. John, of course, you you want to be nationally, but just between Bellevue West and Omaha West Side, you get a pretty good class just out of those guys, right? Yeah, Bellevue West has four Power Five guys. West Side has four Division One kids, with two being Power Five. So. You know, that is the game that we want to see here on NET again. Uh, those two teams met in a, a championship game that the elements really played a factor. It slowed down Westside. Bellevue West, though, you know, had a really good game plan, won that game. Uh, they're on a collision course, again, to get back to Memorial Stadium. There was a seating committee this year in Class eight, and I'm sure you guys talked about that on the radio this week. Um, instead of going off PowerPoints, uh, Bellevue West and Westside are going to be on opposite sides of the bracket. So it does set up nicely that maybe we'll get that undefeated game. Now, Bellevue West, Michael, um, you know, they've only played like five games on the season. So, you know, it's been COVID has thrown some curveballs. Westside's played eight. Um, They've played eight straight weeks. So we've seen a lot uh, of different things happen, um, you know, on the high school scene as far as, Teams getting games and Bellevue West couldn't get games. I mean, they had openings and, you know, they were going to play Sioux Falls Roosevelt, uh, Southeast Polk, both the number one team in Iowa, number one team in South Dakota. They couldn't get the game set up. There's just too many other factors that made some of those other games not happen, but we'll definitely get to see them here soon in the playoffs. John, we appreciate the information. Thanks.
3: Our kids are excited to play. We're excited to play. There's There's been a lot of moments where I didn't think we'd get here, uh, but now that we're here, uh, I think playing football was the right thing to do, and, and we're excited to be a part of it.
0: After, since we've got the season back, you can tell there's a change in mentality. And after hitting each other for countless months, we're ready to hit
1: somebody else, and we're excited to play.
4: Um, you know, this game, they're going to come out and uh, they have really good personnel and they could have a lot of wrinkles in this scheme for, for game one. So we got to be ready for everything. Um, that, that's that, I think that's the always the issue when you, you play a first game against a, a really good um, non-conference opponent and or conference opponent. Um, this game means the, the world to us. I'm sure it, it means the world to Ohio State. So they're going to open their playbook and they're going to give us the wrinkles that they worked on the offseason and we got to be ready to match those when they come out. We got to get special teams right. Special teams has has hurt us at times, uh, and we got to get that fixed. Uh, we know how important it is in all areas, and uh, that needs to be uh, big this year.
1: 11 a.m. on Big Fox. Oh, to either one of you guys, a question from Robert on
2: Facebook: In your opinion, do you think Nebraska's O-line can handle Ohio State's defensive line? I do. I think that I think the O-line is finally a strength of this of this team, this offense. A um, ton of returning starters, you know, Cam Durkins is a second year at the center, a Hymas, you might see a, a young uh, Ben Hart, a Trent Hickson, a uh, Bo Wilson, um, you know, you got the Farniocks in there, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys that played a lot of meaningful steps. I, I think. That's where this game's going to lie is, is right there if, if if they can provide Adrian Luke enough protection and to get some things going because the off, Nebraska's offense has got to score some points to keep yeah. pace with the Ohio State's offense. Yeah, no one's
1: going to make a bigger jump than Cam Jurgens either. Sean, this one's for you. What new guys should fans be looking for?
5: Well, there's a lot. I think the wide receiver position really jumps out to me. I look for Alante Brown, Marcus Flemings, uh, maybe Xavier Betts, but uh, Brown and Fleming are two I, I think that are really coming in. You know, could be on the field for an impact on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Defensively, you know, there aren't a lot of true freshmen in contention, but Ty Robinson's a redshirt freshman. You're going to see him a lot. Um, Jordan Riley, you know, he's going to be in there as a Juco guide. Um, You know, so yeah, there's a number of new faces, but I think the wide receiver position, Michael, will be the one probably impacted the most with with freshman type players
1: aaron asked a question on facebook and we've heard this a lot from coaches you get to bring your own energy because there'll be no fans how do you think
2: you handle it as a player it's gonna be, it's gonna be difficult now but let's granted they practice in the empty stadium all the time now sure. you're, you're going against your own guys but I, I think it just might be a series or two you get used to it and then it's just kind of normal because a lot of times defensively you're kind of reacting and blank you know you're just playing the game. You're just kind of, everything's, you know, you kind of black out, honestly, and yeah. just just play and just listen to calls. But now, offensively, for Nebraska, snap cadence should be zero issues. Mm-hmm. You know, I know they're funneling in some small crowd noise. That's nothing major, but it's it's going to be a little strange, but I think they'll, they'll get over it rather quickly. Sean, one of the things that stands out is this line that Vegas put out,
1: 27 and a half. The only time it's been bigger in recent memory is that 29 point game against OU and O4. What's your feeling in terms of that number? You think it's
5: too much? I I think it's fairly high, but I think it just tells you the confidence out there on Ohio State. I mean, they're in a class with Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State. Those are the three teams that, you know, their odds of making the playoffs are really high. We know from a talent perspective they have the best roster in the Big Ten, I think, by a wide margin right now at this point. So, yeah, I I, I tend to think that's a little high um, just because for a team to win by that many points week one with so many unknowns, um, that's a huge spread, and you know, I I think Ohio State's going to win the game, but I I I think Nebraska obviously will, will show some signs that they've made a lot of improvement in this game. Too. Time for our burning questions. You go first, Sean. Make it quick. Yeah, my burning question is how much will we see Luke McCaffrey in this game um, for Nebraska? And I think we will see him on the field in different roles. And I think there, there'll be a. A shorter leash on Martinez. If there's signs of struggling in this game, this staff I think will go to Luke McCaffrey uh, a lot sooner or right away, uh, compared to maybe a year ago where we didn't see that happen. What about you, Jay?
2: Yeah, can a, a experienced back seven help out an in, uh, inexperienced you know front four D line? That's be interesting to see because a lot of inexperience, a lot of experience behind them. Can those guys help out? Yeah, My, mine is simple. Will they be able to make field goals? punt the way you expect, be able to keep those hidden
1: yards. Ryan Hill brought it up. They struggled so much the last couple of years on special teams, and now they're in a situation where they got a new punter, a new field goal kicker, a new special teams coordinator or analyst. Can they get better there? Can they just make small improvements in special teams? That's a big part. Don't forget to head to our website, our Facebook page, and click on the prediction. Jay and I will tell you exactly what's going to happen on Saturday. The Huskers hit the field for the road on 2020 season to open it up against the Ohio State Buckeyes. The delayed season kicks off at 11 a.m. right there on Big Fox. Next Tuesday, we'll be back to recap that game. Our special guest will be former Husker Zach Potter. Our thanks to Kevin Kugler, Damon Benning, Thanks for joining us this evening. Also, Jay Moore and Sean Callahan. I'm Michael Severe. We'll see you next week on Nittany T's Big Red Wrap-Up.